Hello, this is Ian Harper welcoming you to Business of Weather podcast, produced in association with Asia Climate Forum, Asia's largest event dedicated to extreme weather and climate change, flooding and poor air quality. In each episode, we'll investigate the increasing impact of extreme weather and climate change on business and society, and look at how weather technology and climate information services can help address the growing challenges. We'll also spotlight the new opportunities for entrepreneurs and business startups seeking to develop the business potential of technology innovations to help those affected by extreme weather. The global shipping industry is responsible for the movement of most of the world's goods. In a typical year, 2020 aside, it transports about 10 billion tonnes of cargo, and this is forecast to increase by over 3% per year for the next five years. Almost all of this is transported by ships which burn what can best be described as the dregs of the fuel chain. Nose bunker fuel, it is what's left over after gasoline, diesel and other light hydrocarbons are extracted from crude oil during the refining process. CO2 emissions from global shipping account for over 3% of the global total. By 2050, emissions from global shipping could account for a quarter of all fossil fuel CO2 emissions. The International Maritime Organization, or IMO, regulates the operations of the global shipping industry. It has recently introduced controls to reduce these emissions, but they will need to be policed rigorously. However, as climate change accelerates, is there an opportunity to revert to wind-powered shipping? Ship by Sail, a shipping broker set up by Will Aidney and Will Templeman, has set out to do just that. By tapping into a network of traditional sailing ships, it organises the transport of ethically sound goods to the UK from destinations around the world. Business of Weather spoke to Ship by Sail co-founder Will Aidney to find out more. Welcome to Business of Weather, Will. Hello, Ian. Right, to get the ball rolling, tell me about Ship by Sail and how and when you came to set the company up. Well, Ship by Sail is an environmentally responsible shipping broker um, and importer of ethically sound goods. So what what we do is we work with um, organisations to transport goods on sailing ships. So they come to this country and from this country with with no carbon footprint. So in a in a very sustainable way. Um, we set this uh, this company up, my business partner, Will Templeman, and myself, um, about three years ago, um, although we've really only been active for two years. Will and I actually met um, on, uh, on a development course, uh, sort of a nature-based development course down um, in Devon in the West Country of England, um, where we, we, were, we, we sort of bonded over outdoor activities and Will told me about this this fledgling idea he had to to transport goods sustainably, um, and as my background is in transport and logistics, 
um, we were able to put his passion and, and my expertise together to, to put the company together. Right. What's the actual nature of the service that Ship by Sail offers? Are you a brokerage or do you run your own ships? Practically, we do, we do two things. Um, first of all, we work with various customers to ship goods that, that they want to, to, to bring, um, usually to the UK from elsewhere, although we do export as well, um, by coordinating, working out what, what cargoes they want, and then coordinating with um, a network of ship owners um, who have sailing ships that they can transport goods on. Um, and as we did this, we realized that we wanted some products ourselves that we could sell, but more importantly, that we could showcase what we were doing. So we went actually out and found our own sustainably grown products, so notably olive oil from Portugal and coffee from Colombia, that we could bring over on those ships ourselves and, and market under our brand of, of ship by sale. But that was very much as a, as a sort of a, a window um, to, to, to what we were doing doing more widely. Um, and I think, I think it's also fair to say that what we're really trying to do is promote a different way of doing things, uh, a slower way, a simpler way, more in tune with, with the earth and with the sea. So not necessarily a throwback to old times and certainly not sentimental, but um, getting people to think a bit more about what they're buying, where it's come from, and particularly how it's, how it's got to us. Okay, thanks. Now, how much did it cost to set the company up and how did you go about funding it? Well, the the, the initial costs were not that great. Um, so we, we probably cost us about £20,000 to set the company up in the first place. Um, and we are entirely self-funded. So we both have our own businesses. I, I, I've worked in the rail industry for many years and Will is actually a yurt builder. Um, and we used money from our from our existing businesses to to set this one up. Now, are there any other similar companies around the world, and do you all work together? Well, absolutely. Um, there are other brokers, there are ship owners, and there are marketeers. Um, and together, we've set something up called the Sail Cargo Alliance, because although we're all working in the same space, and in some ways we might be in competition. Actually, we're such a small part of the cargo world that it's really essential that we, we do work together to make sure that we're putting the ships onto the routes that match customers' demands, make sure that we're filling our ships, um, and make sure that we're growing our fledging sail cargo industry altogether. Okay, now... Looking more broadly uh, and taking the UK as an example, how much of the food and other goods sold and consumed in total do you estimate are transported by all types of ships? This is in the UK I'm thinking of here to give people a, an idea of uh, the significance of uh, sea-based sea transport. Sure, sure. Well, it's interesting. I mean, the UK is obviously in an, an, an island. Um, now, into the EU, which is... Um, you know, a slightly different geography. Um, it's over 50% of everything that comes to Europe comes in a ship. When you get to the UK, that's significantly higher. Um, I'll give you an example. You know, we, we 
bring in around about 400 million tons um, of goods by ship every year. By air is only 2.5 million tons, so a fraction. So absolutely almost everything that we're bringing to these islands is coming is coming on a ship. And if we look at what sort of ships it comes comes in, if we're bringing in goods, like containerized goods, about half of that comes on your big container ships that you that you see, and about half of that comes on trucks, on on roll-on, roll-off ferries. So lots and lots of ferries are arriving, bringing small numbers of ships, uh, small numbers of containers, and then a small number of very very large container ships are arriving. But we rely we rely completely on um, the shipping industry to to supply these islands. I mean, the Channel Tunnel, which is really the only other any other way of bringing in goods other than by air, is is a very small amount of what of what comes in. The weather will have a big influence on your shipping schedules. So how do you deal with the uncertainties of sail power, especially if you're carrying any perishable cargoes? Well, it is a challenge. Um, and we really start from the premise that we don't carry perishable cargoes. So you know, fresh fresh goods are really not something that we, we, we realistically can carry, partly because of, of the delays or the, the uncertainty and partly because we, we, we can't have refrigeration. So everything has to be kept at, a, at, at an ambient temperature. Um, but we, we have a real challenge because customers are used to adjust in time supply chain these days. We have developed this, what we would consider unrealistic um, supply chain around the world. And we are trying to convert customers to um, a more sustainable approach, one that's much more in tune with the weather, one that's much more in tune with um, the tides, for example. So we have to build in buffers. We have to build buffers into our transport schedules, but we also have to build buffers into our supply. So we have to warehouse. Um, and the customers, and because because we're trying to convert an existing supply chain to something that's more environmental, we're having to bear the brunt of that. What we hope in the future is that consumers and our kind of indirect customers, our you know, restaurants and, 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 and supermarkets, would understand this. But right at the moment, it's it's largely around us having to take responsibility, and, and that's that that imports a lot of cost um, for us because we have to we have to hold stock. But if we're going to do that, then it really has to be ambient goods. So talked about olive oil, coffee is another one. We bring it in as green beans, so it gives us much longer to before we have to roast it. Right now, where do you actually get the sailing ships you use from, and how many do you have access to at the present time? Currently, we're working with about five or six different different ships, and they are typically privately owned. So some from the UK, um, two from the Netherlands. Um, we work with one from Germany and, and, and one from France. So I guess because we're based in Northern Europe, that's where, where the ships are, are coming from. They are typically converted um, ships. So one of one of the main ships we use between here and, 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 and Portugal for our olive oil was actually built in the Isle of Wight um, in the 1870s uh, as, a, as a fishing vessel, but was converted to cargo use. Um, another was built in the 1940s as a minesweeper and is now converted to, 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 to um, 
uh, to cargo use as well. Um, but there is a movement to start building some new ships, um, and we should see those coming online in the next five years. New ships? Can you tell me a little bit about these? Sure. So there is a recognition that, that what's happening at the moment is, is, is pretty suboptimal and pretty inefficient converting ships that weren't designed for cargo. So if you think where the bulkheads are, how you get cargo in and out, that's difficult. We've got fantastic new technologies out there to build ships, new materials. So if we combine some of the traditional sailing methods, which are very sustainable with some of the modern technologies, you could actually build a ship. So imagine the Cutty Sark, a modern Cutty Sark, with fantastic technology. It could have, for example, um, solar, solar panels on the sails. There are opportunities for um, batteries built into the keel. There are all these opportunities to take new technologies and create kind of a modern equivalent sailing ship with all of these efficiencies. And these are the sorts of vessels that they're, they're, they're mainly on the drawing board. Um, there is one new one being built in, in Italy at the moment, Brigantes. Um, but we should see these coming coming online over the next five years. Okay, let's just go back to the existing ships. What's the sort of volume of cargo that these ships you use are able to carry? Well, it's in in in, in global terms, it's it's small. So the the main two ships that we work with, um, one comes across the Atlantic. It carries thirty five tons. One that applies the northern European waters. It's more like 25 tonnes. Um, we do work with a couple of ships that have about 100 tonne capacity, but that's that's all. So pretty small relative to a big container ship then? Oh, just, just a fraction, of just a fraction of the size. Okay, now what do these sailing ships do when they're not carrying cargo? Would they be used for passenger cruises perhaps? Well, interestingly, they, they tend to work all year round um, as, as cargo vessels, but they combine it with a passenger offer. Part of the business model for most of these ships is to carry paying trainees. It surprised me when we got involved in this, the number of people who are interested and willing to pay to learn to sail on traditional sailing ships. So a ship may, may carry 30 tonnes of cargo, but it will also have eight or 10 trainees on it who are necessary to sail the ship because they, you know, they, they take a lot of manpower. Um, but the business case still wouldn't work to have a crew of 15. Um, it might have a crew of five and then eight to 10 trainees who are also paying to be on those boats. Okay, just going back to the types of products that you transport, what sort of premium do consumers typically have to pay compared to similar products transported by oil-powered ships? Well, this is, this is a really interesting question um, because there are lots of direct costs and there are lots of hidden costs. So the actual the transport by sail, the basic cost of, of transporting by ship, is probably between three and four times as much as it is by a large conventional, say, diesel-powered um, uh, container ship. Um, but we have, we have other costs that 
we have to build into that. We've talked about warehousing. We've talked about um, timings, how long everything takes. Um, but of course, shipping is only a relatively small part of the total cost of any product. So while we're dealing with reasonably premium products like chocolate or cacao, like coffee, like olive oil, like rum and other spirits, um, it probably overall only adds about 20% to the cost for the final consumer, even though the, the, the transport bid is significantly more expensive. Right. Now, do the suppliers of the products and you transport see sale-based shipping as a big plus point in their own sales and marketing? Um, without a doubt, yes. Um, what we find is that partners want to work with us because they're trying to put a sustainable message out there. I mean, what we're very much not about, and to be blunt, don't really want to work with, with organizations who just want to greenwash. Um, what we're looking for is working with people who, who really care and want to, want to move this movement forward because it is a very strong message. Um, organizations are extremely interested in shipping product by, by sailing ship. And there's no question, you see it with, 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 with customers. When we put this, um, the message out, particularly on social media, the number of, of, of likes you get and the number of positive, the amount of positive feedback you get to every interview or to, to, to every article or to every social media post. So it shows that there is a huge amount of interest in this. Um, but the question is how we then we then couple that with, with businesses who are actually doing a lot of what they do, not in a sustainable way. And that's uh, kind of a, an ongoing conversation and challenge that we, that we have. Right. Now, where are the products you ship actually sold? And how can customers be sure that they're being transported by sailing ships? Is there some sort of a kite mark? Currently, we we sell products both retail and wholesale. So our, our main business is to sell into into restaurants. Um, we also, particularly in the West Country of England, have a network of smaller retailers and deli type um, outlets where you can buy 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 our products. And of course, you can also buy them on the Ship by Sale website. Um, we are in discussions with 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 a couple of supermarkets about whether we could do something on a on a on a larger scale, um, and that's very interesting because that's where you run into all the margin questions um, and, and all, all all the costings and pricing that we all we all know the supermarkets are are, are famous for. Um, on the question of the kite mark, I think that's fascinating because perhaps I should have said this at the beginning, but in a way, this is where this really started. If you go into a supermarket, you see that something is fair trade. You can see that a product is organic. You can see that a product is not sourced from a war region. But there's basically no information about how a product gets to you. Um, and this is something that we think over time should absolutely be on that. We, we are working on a trust basis at the moment. We've had long discussions in the Sail Cargo Alliance about having some sort of kite mark. But we've decided that that's for the future. Right now, that's very expensive and quite bureaucratic. Um, and we'd like consumers to work with us on trust while we build the network. But at the right point, I would have thought that this is absolutely something that we 
that we need. Um, there, of course, are, are complications to it about exactly how much is sailed. So typically we work with ships without an engine at all, but there are ships out there that have an engine and might use it occasionally or for port maneuvers. So it, it, you have to, we'd have to get into the real detail of what justified something, what percentage of a journey made under sail justified it being um, a sail cargo product, for example. Right now, just looking ahead, what are the plans of the future? How do you see this type of service evolving? Well, I think I think it's going to evolve in three ways. And I've already touched on it a little bit. I think there is a demand, there is a pent-up demand, and with everything else going on in the world, I can only see this increasing. And I think it will increase in, in three ways. I think it will increase sort of organically with traditional ships. I think it will definitely increase with some of these new ships with much, much bigger capacities on board. And from the other end, we're starting to see movement around, for example, installing uh, rotary sails on some uh, container ships that the, the mainstream industry has acknowledged that they've got problems and, and they're trying to do something about it. But I think the real drive is going to come from the consumer and from the supply chain. And we, we're going to have to move them or they're going to have to move themselves away from this requirement for wanting to buy everything. The Amazon Prime, I'll press a button today and I'll get my product tomorrow and actually move move back to something where people are willing to wait a little bit. And I'll just give you one quick example on that. We've been working very hard with restaurant supply supply chains, with chefs to say, you know what, you can actually think forward. You don't have to think about the products you want tomorrow or the day after. But maybe, particularly with your ambient goods, that you can buy these a week in advance, two weeks in advance, or even you know even a month. And I think it's that change in mindset which we're trying to drive. And as it changes, it will then in turn, actually increase the demand for sale cargo goods. Well, that concludes today's interview. Will Aidney, joint founder of Ship by Sail, thank you very much. Thank you, Ian. You're listening to Business of Weather, produced in association with Asia Climate Forum, Asia's largest event dedicated to addressing extreme weather and climate change, flooding and poor air quality.